If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Well, today we're talking about picky eaters. So dad, why is this such a hard topic? I think because it goes to the core of really everything we feel about our job as parents to help our kids be healthy and thrive. And a picky eater is choosing not to eat foods that we feel are best for them. And we feel if we don't push hard on them, then they will be entitled kids the rest of their lives and not doing what we feel is best for them. And so it's just kind of a really big struggle in in an everyday battle that kind of I think typifies our desire to help them to to be their best. Yeah. So we have this dissonance, right? A gap between what parents want for their kids and what their kids are choosing. Yeah. Very everyday, very visual struggle. And and, and I say often that you cannot control two things about kids, their mouths or their bottoms. And we talked about constipation last episode. And here we talk about the difficulty helping kids make good choices about what goes in their mouths. So it's one thing to have some tough love over cleaning rooms and doing chores and quite another to take power struggles over what they eat. Yeah, I had a patient a long time ago during residency that I saw with a feeding tube in because they had such an oral aversion. This was actually like a permanent surgical G-tube placed in their stomach, but they had PTSD to even the thought about eating because of such big conflicts over food. Hmm. Why do you think the issue of being a picky eater is so visceral as parents and why they want so hard to get it right? I think because my patients have wonderful parents who love their children and want the best for them. And they view having power struggles, battles over food that involves the kids crying at the table as part of their job as parents to make sure kids eat everything. Where does this view originate from? Well, do you remember the analogy of the holiday roast from quite a few episodes back? Yeah, where the mom cuts the ends off the roast and the dad asks why, and the question works its way back to her mother and then eventually her grandmother who cut the ends off the roast because that is how it fit in her little oven. Right. So there is a tradition passed down, but the current generation doesn't even know why they kept the tradition. I think that these great parents I work with had great parents who made them cry over eating peas or something else before they could leave the table. And they love their parents and feel that great parenting involves forcing kids to eat stuff, even if it creates conflict, sometimes even pathological conflict, their parents don't feel even feel good about, like they don't like how that experience is going. So because grandma or further back came from a depression era influence where they had food scarcity and uncertainty the values passed down around eating are much more stoic and having to eat what is in front of you because there are just no choices. Exactly. And we are doing the same thing, but the environment has changed where the choices are there to be healthy, but you actually have choices. Yeah. But isn't it important to help kids expand their palate to include a wide variety of foods to help them be healthy? 
Definitely. And that's the goal to model and encourage a wide variety of healthy foods. We're not trying to say, just give up. But what we're talking about is the the fight and battles and tears over foods that make every meal time something to be feared. How do we make a paradigm shift? I think it's important to acknowledge that we are trying to help our kids be healthy. And that is how we were raised and had eating time modeled and want to do the same for our kids. The difference is that we may have had it work for, for them or for us as parents, but it's not working for their kid and their family. So sometimes it, it is one parent that feels more strongly about this than the other, and that creates some conflict. So it's good to have a conversation to say that we want to have a more positive experience at mealtime for choosing to have that. How do we help a mother or father who feels pressure to keep up the battle? Making a transparent and open choice to have a positive experience. Say, I am choosing to help our, my children enjoy mealtime together, that our time around the table will be positive, where I choose to have our family enjoy being together so that the kids look forward to it instead of being afraid of the experience. So we are not giving up. We are choosing something else. And there's no food shaming as part of this decision. And so I just, I really want people to say, I'm not, I'm not choosing to, to, to give up on feeding my kids healthy things. I'm just, I'm choosing to have a positive experience. What are the problems with battles over food? Well, some kids will fail to thrive because they aren't getting enough calories for their growing bodies. If they only get a few bites of something and nothing more because they don't like the food and then they left the table because they have their two bites and then had nothing else. And so there, there are some challenges with them just not getting enough calories. So how do we keep them healthy? I would start with, with making your only rule, no tears at the table. It's a good motto. What is the method to help picky eaters be healthy? <laughs> yeah, I know it can seem kind of trite as a motto, but let's start with talking about Venn diagrams. So with the Venn diagram, the parents have a circle that includes healthy foods, fruits, vegetables, proteins, and other whole foods. And then kids have a circle that includes ice cream, cookies, chips, and candy. So see where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah, so there will be some overlap between their circles that might be compromised foods like chicken nuggets, peanut butter and honey sandwiches, mac and cheese, and yogurt. Exactly. The foods in the overlapping part of the Venn diagrams are where we start and where we live. So what things are the parents okay with that that the kids also like? So what are the parents okay with? And the kids like them. So it may not be the ideal food a parent wants their child to eat, but it's not just Oreos and chips that we are giving into. So you may have tacos for dinner. The child hates tacos. What do you do? And are you asking parents to make different meals for each child? No, I don't want a parent to become a short order cook, taking an order for each child, you know, hamburgers, chicken, you know, you know, hot dogs, stuff like that. But most of the kids are going to be great with the food, but the pathologically picky child can make their own peanut butter sandwich or warm up chicken nuggets, whatever is on the approved list for them that parent and child have agreed upon when there is a food the child doesn't like. Because a lot of parents say, well, well they just pick cereal. I say, well, you know, don't let cereal be one of the choices. You can decide together that one of the choices is going to be like, you know, making a sandwich or whatever. So but other foods for calories can be whatever you feel comfortable buying for them, sandwiches, yogurt, dino nuggets, like you said, Em, and make sure to offer a food at each meal that the child enjoys and that you are okay with at every meal. 
So then they all sit down as a family together, most with their tacos and one with his peanut butter sandwich. You know, and this still happens on occasion when you and mom make some extra healthy meals like a Greek salad or something. And then I hear the air fryer just going constantly pretty busy with pizza rolls or chicken nuggets from the boys, even the ones that aren't that picky. Yeah, well, that brings up a good point. Will giving latitude to one child affect other kids? No, remember that these kids have some deep-seated texture or taste issue, and the other kids are mostly fine. This isn't your your fault as a parent. You didn't do something wrong that created this problem. Most of the kids are fine with various textures and foods. They want to eat the tacos and spaghetti and hamburgers. So, you know, the other kids aren't going to all of a sudden say, well, I want, I want a sandwich. They want the tacos. Yeah. Do you tell people to even force kids to try one bite of something? I hear that a lot. And I recommend not forcing a child to eat a certain amount of each food. It is still a fight. You know, you're forcing them, even if it is a a small fight, and that's easy to escalate. So love the child more than the goal of making them eat something. Will they eventually get better? Yes. If you don't fight about food, they won't view trying a new food as a zero-sum game, that if they eat the food, it is a competition where mom wins and they lose, zeroes out. So if you offer and provide access and loving encouragement, they will come around to eating most foods. They will try things at friends' houses when they're hungry and add to the repertoire and kind of surprise you sometime. Yeah. They will eat more food sooner if you don't fight about it, it sounds like. Right, right. And I had parents thank me, and I've had had parents in the past thank me for helping them pull back from the ingrained expectations that they have for forcing foods. They really have great intent and you know the best motivation and and they've seen their kids grow into a wide variety of foods um, even when they haven't been forcing the issue and i guess one side comment off the topic is that little kids should be able to really explore their food to get food on their head and smear it on themselves i, I kind of say anywhere from their forehead to their chest is you know fair game but they have that on themselves without having us get worried about the mess And that's part of their food exploration. I think getting comfortable with letting kids experience their applesauce on their forehead and their hair, stuff like that, helps them just learn that that food is something to be explored and not something to to fight about. Yeah. So what are the minimal goals for eating? You talk about milk, meat, and multivitamins regularly. Okay, yes. So minimal goals are at least two servings of milk every day. And a serving is either eight ounces of milk or two pieces of string cheese or a whole yogurt. So two of those types of things. And then for meat, at least their fist size quantity of meat over the entire week. And that's pretty small. So if you look at little kids' fists, it may be, you know, two or three chicken nuggets or a hot dog. And now of course you can have more if you want, but you know, that's kind of a minimum. And then do one to two gummy vitamins once a day based on their age. So it's one up to age four. And then once you hit four, you can have two gummy vitamins. As an aside, I may have mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I had a kiddo that was so excited that when he turned four, he got to have two gummy vitamins, like his brothers and sisters. So I was super excited about <laughs> that. <adorable. laughs> it was way cute. So I asked, so now that you're four, what can you do? I said, I get to have two vitamins. So it's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or you can do one half to one uh, chewable vitamin once a day if you prefer. And again, go off of texture. Some kids you know, love the gummies, some kids love the chewables. And so, and then I also recommend doing some daily fiber where you, you can buy some Benefiber and do one to two teaspoons as an, an, an adult dose. 
but even go higher up to one to two tablespoons if needed for hard stool, because sometimes if they're not getting enough fruits and vegetables and fiber, they need a supplement there. So I do this for any child where we worry about missing out on certain vitamins or fiber and foods due to pickiness, et cetera. Any comment about eating frequency? So we will talk a bit about general nutrition another time, but I always talk about the Hobbit eating plan where you, you have first and second breakfast, first and second lunch, et cetera. So that there's a scheduled time to eat every two or three hours because again, with kids FOMO, they will only eat when they're starving. They want to play hard, play hard, and then come in and I'm starving, you know, and it may have been, you know, quite a few hours, but it's important that if we're trying to really help kids to thrive, that we try and, and, and do that on a schedule. And I, I do talk about how I think for a busy mom with several kids in her brood that, um, if you have to stop and pause whenever each child is hungry, that's, I think, much more disruptive to a mom trying to manage things and to just say, okay, it's time for our apples and peanut butter at 10 o'clock. Everybody have their snack and then go back and play again. And so try to do the best you can on having some scheduled um, meal and snack time. Is this hard to do at school? Definitely, it can be. Some kids are going four to five hours between meals, which sets them up for headaches and stomach aches and poor performance at school, almost mimicking ADHD sometimes. So these kids are growing. They're active. They have a great metabolism. They're burning the candle at three ends sometimes, and they need to eat often during the school day, but they don't have access to food. So I recommend after each recess and not before recess because they will always choose playing over eating, but after each recess, um, they should have some food and also they should play first at lunch and then come to, and to eat lunch, you know, after they played where too many schools have food first and then the child has the misguided and kind of incentive to eat as little as possible to get as much playtime as possible. And the schedule should be reversed as much as possible. Do you get much pushback on this? I don't think so. Most teachers and parents have a great relationship to facilitate a concern a parent might have about their child by letting them eat during a non-intrusive time where it won't interrupt the academic schedule during the day. But I am happy to write a note to support a parent's ask for their, their child. Do you have any good books on this topic? The one I like the best is by one of my favorite comedians, Jerry Seinfeld. And so it's his wife, Jessica Seinfeld. And it's called Deceptively Delicious. Getting your children to eat wholesome food is, is kind of the, the goal of the book, but it's a deceptively delicious. And it kind of talks about how to integrate other healthy foods, fiber, stuff like that, into you know, kids' mac and cheese and, and you know hamburger and spaghetti, stuff like that. And so, But it's just a really good book on helping kids to um, eat healthier without them knowing that. And I should comment that's a, one of the steps of advanced parenting is sleight of hand and deception, you know, with the little kids. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Thanks, Dad. That finishes us off. So we'll be back with an episode next week. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. 
And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.